All right. So if you could travel back in time, where would you go? I think I'd go to the 1970s and teach John Hinckley how to use a damn firearm. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who tried to kill Ronnie Reg. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. What about you, Calvin? Uh, You know, I... I don't have any like real funny answer. I, I honest to God, I would just, I go back to 1859. That was the year Mendel discovered genes and Darwin published origin of man. So I think it would be a cool time. And right before the North and South started, you know, shooting each other, kind of cool to see that build up some bleeding Kansas, some Missouri act, get, get your history on man. Oh boy. Sophia, how about you? Oh wow, that's such a big question. I would, I'd like to do something big and important for humanity, and something that means something in the end. So I think what I would do is I would go back in time and stop liberal arts from being made. <laughs> <laughs> you would kill the ramen noodle industry, though. <laughs> yeah, you realize? Yep. You realize that? <laughs> yep. And the nation's cholesterol levels would thank me. (laughs) Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing... 2012's Safety Not Guaranteed. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. And we have a guest with us today. We well, do. Hello, 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 hello. Should I introduce myself? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I'm Calvin. I've been friends with Kyle since I met him in college. Recruited him to our fraternité. And Which definitely panned out. It totally panned out. No you hiccups know. whatsoever. No, no, no problems. We started that from the from scratch, from the base up, and it totally formed a totally coherent and perfectly functioning chapter that didn't get restarted and go away. Well, butt chugging is bad. Sorry, guys. That's just the way it is. <laughs> if only we had the chance to butt chug. We, we didn't even get that far. <laughs> Two things. We were in a dry fraternity. And we didn't become a chapter because we didn't recruit enough people. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we our expectations were that we recruited as much as a state school. And, you know, Drake University was 3,000 undergrads, right? 3,500? Something like that. Yeah. So, I, you know, we had to do what, like, Mizzou was doing or Illinois was, you know, we had to pull those numbers and that just, you know, wasn't wasn't right for us. So... We went away, but you know what? They came back. They they recolonized again in 2018, so they're actually back on campus as a full chapter. So nice. good for them. Good for them. Good for them. But Calvin, we'd like to ask, it's not required by any means, do you have any experience with film analysis, film critique, anything of the like? Nothing formal, no. I, I have always been a movie fan. I've always been interested in film i took my high school film class very seriously i was one of the few that like was really watching and really diving in and analyzing and in college when i did my documentary class for one of my requirements for my degree i i actually enjoyed it a lot and i thought wow this is cool so you know being a director would have been something i i really would have 
probably push myself towards if, you know, if I had a different type of upbringing or a different, you know, circle that I was exposed to when I was younger, because I love, I love art and I love film. So it's just, it's just something I've always had on my side as like a side thing, but nothing like formal where I went in and wrote an actual article or have actually taught anything or, you know, nothing, nothing like that. Awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just, just a fan. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. I mean, we're, we're movie fans just generally. I have used my, my, I was a bit of a similar experience in two of my three under, well, one and a half of my three <laughs> undergrad experiences. I've, I've leaned really heavy on literature and film classes. So, I leveraged that into, you know, a side hustle where I'm a film critic. Oh, so yeah, like definitely no one here is, I guess I'm probably like technically a professional, but like a professional to the tune of $7 a month. So like, Hey, there you go. not, a, not it's really a, a big deal. <laughs> it is. Well, it's, it's getting paid. It's getting paid to do it. It's better than what most people ever get with art, you know? <laughs> well, the critics guilds, all, all disagree with that assessment, but sure. <laughs> Actually saying that, I re- am remembering that I believe Roger Ebert was an alumnus of the fraternity that Calvin and I were kind of in. Yes, yeah, he is a yes. member of Phi Alpha Theta, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But he's still a punk. <laughs> <laughs> he's a punk he is a punk roger ebert is a punk although i i end up agreeing with him a lot whenever i read whenever i like look at a movie or whenever i watch a movie and then i, I read roger ebert afterwards i'm like yeah that's that's pretty right yeah i, I get it i get why you're number one yeah now i'm just being contrarian <laughs> <laughs> nah fuck roger ebert <laughs> all right so this movie safety not guaranteed pretty neat it was it was certainly it was the pacing was a little baffling in places, but yeah, no, this was definitely one of the better movies that we've watched, which is good because we've had a string of not so great ones since we hit our anniversary. Yeah, man, we've just been watching some fucking duds. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think it's a really it's a really good film overall. I enjoyed it. The first time I watched it was probably ooh, three or four years ago, and I. I really enjoyed it. And on the second time around, I realized why. And we're going to talk more about that here in a bit. But just want to get some, you know, more thoughts from you guys. Any, any, any like fun facts or anything interesting about the movie or anything that it evoked in you personally? This was my first exposure to Mark Duplass. Really? So you haven't, you haven't seen, you haven't seen The League. I had not seen The League by the time I first saw this, I saw this probably back in about 2014. Oh, okay. So you've seen this a while. You you saw you first saw this over seven years ago. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw the league first, mm-hmm. and then saw this. And there are not a whole lot of unknowns in this movie, Mm-mm. but there's also like they're not a list. Like this is a this is a C list star movie. Yeah, yeah, Jake Johnson, you know, he he does he does great on New Girl. Mm-hmm. The guy Karen Sony. Yep, yep, Karen Sony. Friend of the pod Karen Sony. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Karen Sony's Dopinder in Deadpool. Yeah, it does a great 
does mm-hmm. a great job here. Mary Lynn Rashkub, is that is that her name? Oh, How you yes. Rashkub? plays Bridget. Yep, yep. She's she's a bitch boss in a lot of other stuff. She does that. She does that role really, really well. She was in Brooklyn Nine Nine as yes. Jolo Trulio's love interest. She was in <laughs> It's oh, Always yeah. Sunny. Yes, yes. Gail the Snail. She's Gail the Snail. Oh my God, that's who it is. Oh, oh man. boy. You don't want to salt a human, but if there's a human <laughs> you ever salt, it's it's Gail the Snail. Sophia, what movies have we watched with Karen Sonium? I know Unicorn Store, and I know there was at least one other. Oh, Always Be My Maybe. Yeah, he was one of Randall Park's band members. Oh, that's right. Yes. See, this is the problem with Karen Sonium. As much as I love him, friend of the pod, he does have that kind of presence where not really so much a presence as it is technically he's there but nobody notices he's a wallflower yeah especially in this movie oh my goodness this movie he is aggressively ignorable Mm. (laughs) yeah Mm. yeah his his character is interesting in this one because he really is just like a playoff for Jake Johnson's character, whose name is Mm. Jeff, he's really just he's really just kind of his like, I don't know how to describe it, but but sort of like what he projects his own life, what he what he really wants out of his life or what he is insecure about his life. The character Jeff, he kind of projects that onto Karen Sonny's character. I believe his name's Arno. Arno. Yeah. Arno. Arno. Sorry. Yeah. Arno. You know that you have to be this kind of guy like you're young, take advantage, like sleep with girls, get drunk, like have fun because it all goes away. And of course, you know, Jeff is miserable because he can't, he, he can't find that, that life of stability and comfort. And in Jeff's defense, he's not entirely wrong. You should have fun as a kid. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. It's, it's just where, where, where does do you draw the line of like, this is fun versus this is my life. And this is it, it's, where we're at. So to me, yeah, there's, there's that, but it's also like, hard to take coming from that filthy douche yeah oh for sure (laughs) but but that's what i love about jeff's side story with liz liz yes thank you i was looking in my notes i'm like what was her name (laughs) with liz was like you see that he's just he's a normal dude he you know everyone everyone at their core wants that and when you don't get it it just makes you think i'm not worthy of that and that's just not that's not me so what do you do you revert back to your old ways I think we're on the verge of doing our analysis section up front. Mm-hmm. And that's that's certainly not what, you know, I'm used to. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, we, can, right. we can recap and then and then circle back if that's if we if we have guys. any top level thoughts on the movie, any other top level thoughts on the movie? In saying what Calvin has just said, it's reminded me, hey, we have a Jeff and Liz again, just like in the 10. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Yeah, because these movies are a little lesser known, we try and go through what happened so it makes more sense when we talk about it. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. No, totally. So let's do a recap. It was like a long cap. (laughs) (laughs) So Aubrey Plaza, she, she opens this film with some narration about why her life sucks, and it pretty sucks. Yeah, I mean, not much to say. She's awkward she doesn't get along with people well yeah she's you know her her dad you know jeff garland 
Jeff Garland. Yeah, Jeff Garland. Kyle, you mentioned in in your in your very good, by the way, live tweet reaction that oh yeah, Jeff Garland's in this movie, and I was I was excited when I read that. Another friend of the pod. So we have. <laughs> so we see her kind of interviewing for jobs that pay because she's currently an intern at a magazine and needs the money and is treating this, you know, restaurant job with as much dignity as they treat their employees. Honestly, the commie in me is like, yes, this is revolution. But (laughs) (laughs) but she doesn't get the job, obviously, and has to go back to working for free for a magazine. We also learn in her interview that her mom died when she was pretty young. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. That is the that is the framing for the narration is she's actually telling her entire ass story to the interviewer at this restaurant job. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to add a line that she said that I thought was really cool. And there was when I was a kid, I expected good things to just happen. And oh, I, that I mean, that's just like classic Aubrey Plaza character right there. Just. Hitting the bummer note right off the bat. Yeah. We see her go back to her internship. She has just a bunch of toilet paper because that's what she has to do, I guess. That's intern. That, that, yeah. Look, in, okay. <laughs> Internships are legal when the experience that the intern gets would be equivalent to a paid position. However, Since the mechanism for reporting these things is either an employee of the company, which you would get fired, or the intern themselves, who needs the position to graduate college, it's very easy to get away with just abusing the shit out of the interns. And it happens with alarming regularity. She's not interning as a janitor, but she is being like that as part of her job because the company is too cheap to hire a goddamn janitor. We also meet Bridget, who's... The, what would this be called at a magazine? The editor? Editor-in-chief, I think. Yeah. She's clearly running the show. True girl boss. <laughs> girl boss is certainly one word for it. I mean, like, the ironic modern, more recent meaning. Raging cunt. Yeah. <laughs> she does not serve much of a purpose in this story. Yeah, her time ends kind of after this. Well, she comes back, but... Yeah, delivers a piece of information, and... So... Yeah, she's the thing in the plot. We're like, all right, this has been going on too long. We need to get to the end of the movie. Right. So she is having a pitch meeting with her writers and apparently the interns, too, because in addition to being janitors, they're also writers. Presumably that's what their internship is technically about. Yeah. So here we meet Jeff. As we said before, Jeff is Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson. Thank you. Nick from New Girl, aka yeah. Jake Johnson, plays Jeff, and and my goodness, this guy is a dirtbag. <laughs> so he pitches this idea. Apparently, some guy put in a newspaper in the advertisement section, somebody looking to go back in time with him, and he's done this once before. Safety is not guaranteed, and like they're all like, "Oh, this guy's a kook." But it would be really interesting to like talk to him and, you know, feel out the depths of his kookery. And Bridget seems to agree and says, all right, who do you need for this? Aubrey Plaza volunteers as well as 
one of the other interns, an Indian kid, Arno, played by friend of the pod, Karen Sony. Let's go! Let's Dopender. freaking go. <laughs> Defender, yes. So yeah, <laughs> Jeff says, all right, I'll take the lesbian and the Indian. I'm just like, oh, fuck <laughs> off, man. Problematic. Very politically incorrect. <laughs> Which reminds me, this won't come up in our recording, but a few times in the movie, they drop the arsler. Yeah, they do. Oh, they do, don't they? Mm-hmm. Oh. Not a fan. Must Not have blocked fan. that out. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's pretty gross. We get a little scene with Aubrey Plaza and her dad, Jeff Garland. Basically her saying, hey, I'm going to be gone for a few days. And we learn a little bit more about her character, how she's like very not outgoing. (laughs) Her dad describes her as sad, which is kind of like most of Aubrey Plaza's characters, either sad or angry, pretending not to be sad. Mm -hmm. I felt like this was a little bit telling and not showing. But at the same time, it does come through in this like parent-child dynamic. So I think it works. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it sucks. It sucks though that they only use Jeff Garland for that scene, really, just to kind of set more of you know Aubrey Plaza's character. Yeah. To be fair, I think he does. You know, fit the the narrative role of setting this hero's journey on its path. Mm-hmm. I am blanking so hard right now. The step of the hero's journey that that would probably be considered. it's it's the it's it's either the second or third where they encounter the wise the wiser person or guide is it refusal of the call crossing the threshold threshold i think yeah. it's crossing the threshold yeah usually because usually you meet like in the lord of the rings it's gandalf in star wars it's obi-wan which dropped mm-hmm. yesterday the series hey yeah the threshold she crosses the threshold with jeff garland yes papa jeff Anyway, off we go with Jeff Darius. Apparently our main character's <laughs> named Darius. God, I'd forgotten about that. I was struggling. I was like, shit, what's her name? What's her name? I know. What's her name? What's her name? I think that's an awful name. Yeah. I fully thought that at one point Jeff called her Daria because I think Aubrey Plaza did play Daria in some instance of that character. She was a Daria, wasn't she? She really, she really is kind of Daria. It yeah. might have been an internet sketch, but like there's some incarnation of Daria that Aubrey Plaza did play. Huh. I demand a live action Daria with Aubrey Plaza. Would Aubrey Plaza be too old now though? That's that's the problem. Probably. She'd be too uh, yeah. old. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Jeff Dar- Darius Darius. What am I Darius. saying? Darius. And Arno are off to somewhere in Washington. Somewhere in Washington that is not Seattle. And that is alarming. (laughs) I believe they're going to a place called Ocean View. Which sucks, according to Darius. Yeah. Also, I'm reminded, the Ocean View Motel was a thing in the video game Control. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Also, Ocean View... Well, when I was in San Diego, there's a a city nearby called Oceanside, and it kind of reminded me of that. Oceanside also sucks. I love Oside. I've been to. I love Oside. <laughs> it's sorry, a grimy. It's a grimy beach town, and I. I was there for every minute of it. I loved it, but yep. I only went there once. <laughs> but as they are leaving, Jeff poses the question: If you could travel back in time, what would you do? A good central thesis of this movie. And you're talking to the guy who is not going to talk, and the damaged girl, 
you're not getting an answer out of uh, like a, a, an honest answer to that question, Jeff. Sorry. So why don't you just tell us what it is that you would do, which is why you asked the question. <laughs> and what was the answer to that question? Who remembers? I don't remember. Oh, it was to go back and be with Liz again. That oh, that's time. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I for- as soon as you said it, I was like, oh fuck! Did he say he was gonna? He would go back and be with Liz? Shit. <laughs> yes. Yep. And so, then there, there's a that. story behind the grimy bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is. Every every grimy bastard has a backstory. Nobody's born a grimy bastard. Unfortunately, no. Or maybe fortunately. Huh. Yeah. So as we get to this town, they get to their motel. There's a weird thing there. But Arius and Arno stake out the P.O. box that the ad said belonged to the, the person who took out the ad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one false start. Then we meet Jeff. Or, yeah, then we then we see Jeff played by Mark Duplass. <laughs> His name's Kenneth. Kenneth. Yep. Oh, Kenneth. Sorry. Kenneth, played by Mark Duplass. Who is the director? Well, not the director, but the creator of the movie. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. Mark Duplass wrote and he didn't direct, but he wrote the movie. Him and his brother, Mark and I have his brother's name, Jay. Mark and Jay Duplass. I don't think they did this one. Yeah, yeah. They did this one and also Paddleton. And I don't know what else they've done together. Did they do Creep? Did they do Creep? That one, which definitely stars Mark Duplass, but I didn't know if they wrote that as well. Oh, we can give it a Guggenheim. Exactly. As you're doing that, we'll continue. Mark Duplass, who can rock a jean jacket. If anyone can rock a jean jacket, it is Kenneth. Mark wrote Creep in conjunction with the director, Patrick Bryce. Okay. Kenneth is spying on a company that apparently does laser stuff. Lasers. Something about lasers. Yeah. <laughs> and we follow him all the way back to his actual job at a grocery store. Yep. Where he's talking about the idea of quantum mechanics and time travel and alternate universes with his coworker. And he's very sincere. Uh, one of my degrees was in STEM, and it just, it hurts. It hurts. Oh, Kyle, a better guest for the podcast should have been our, our good friend Sean on this one because he is a lasers man. He has a master's in lasers. Perhaps, but you wanted to talk about this movie. I did. <laughs> and that's what's important. And we do have somebody who knows a thing or two about lasers on the pod. Oh, Sophia, do you, you know a thing or two about lasers? I know a thing or two about lasers. Oh. Sophia has an insane breadth of knowledge. Wow. It it would be, it's improbable, but yes, I, I have a bizarre breadth of knowledge. <laughs> so yes, both the quantum physics thing and the laser thing were very funny to me, and we can talk about those all day long. <laughs> were they all wrong? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> I was like, it can't be right, right? Well, I mean, right, he didn't, he didn't, I didn't really hear what he had to say about quantum physics, but he talked about it in the way that crazy people who are wrong about quantum physics talk about quantum physics. Mm, like so, how I would talk about quantum physics. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, maybe. Never heard you talk about quantum physics. The one thing I do appreciate, though, is he seems to suggest that we all take for granted that like time works exactly as we think it does. And it's like, eh, science is all about learning new stuff. 
Who's to say that it's not possible? And technically, he's not wrong. There are some interesting things that ha- that have been happening in particle physics that suggest that, uh, you know, maybe time is not a check valve, necessarily. You and I could not travel back in it, but... So that's still the consensus that it, it's only possible forward, correct? Like, theoretically? You, you can't go for, back. for large complex organisms, yes, but for certain certain subatomic particles, it appears that they may not be so constrained. Hmm. Wow. One of my favorite technically correct facts to say is that I can travel through time going forward in time at a rate of one second per second. Yep. <laughs> technically correct, but technically very, correct. That makes you sound very, very true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Darius gets his name. And reconvenes with her team at a bar where Jeff is Facebook stalking Liz. Remember 2012 before Facebook became the bane of democracy? Yeah, back when it was just a a thing that... In fact, it wasn't yet even just like the home of all old people. No, but it was the home of Farmville. Yeah, which is what brought in the old people. It turns out, they like gaming too. Just... Don't particularly care for good games. Stardew Valley. Like, come on. Yeah, seriously. It's it's 12 bucks and you don't unravel democracy when you play it. And you don't bother your friends. Holy fucking shit. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it looks at first because Jeff has already said that he's going to try to get Arno laid on this trip, which, guys, if you go from Seattle to a smaller place with the intent of getting laid, that feels like it's, unless you already have a hookup there, that feels like it's probably not going to go great. You're definitely limiting your options. You're, you're playing a difficult game. Yes, you, you've, you've taken an already difficult game and switched it to nightmare mode. <laughs> unless you know you need a challenge. Maybe, maybe that's what Jeff was looking at. He, he probably just figured, you know, I've, I've slept my way through Seattle. Let's, let's see if I can drop down to the miners maybe and well i mean he did unprompted tell us everyone that he slept with bridget oh he did that's right i i forgot that moment <laughs> one Which time Bridget has like this kind of like she looks she looks like a somebody a, a, a small town famous person impersonator yeah jennifer aniston that's what she kind of looks like to me like she I looks like that. a yeah. jennifer aniston impersonator from des moines <laughs> <laughs> So Jeff says that he will go talk to Kenneth to learn about this story. Now, mm. we're about two years out from Jake Johnson being in a movie called Let's Be Cops. There's a reason he can pass as a cop pretty well. Is it the sleaze? Yes, it is the complete untrustworthiness present in his face. Yeah, to be fair, like, Kenneth is immediately spooked by him and asks him some probative questions, and Jeff gives the most insubstantial answers, and Kenneth is just like, nope, absolutely not. That's a cop. That's what a cop looks like. That's what a cop sounds like. Goodbye. He is, however, he being Kenneth, up his own ass a little bit, because in sussing Jeff out, he goes, you don't know pain. You don't know regret. It's like, who talks like this? Someone who uh, is just very, very, very serious about what they're trying to accomplish, I, I imagine would take that kind of tone and that kind of way of talking. Or a guy who's crying out for help. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, they need to figure out a different approach and they go with a classic. The honeypot. Send in the girl. Yep. Hot girl. 
Yeah, I was. I had a note. It touches on kind of the old rom com trope of using the the cute girls, the bait, honey pot, and as you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Darius approaches Kenneth at his job, which hey, don't do that. But also <laughs> immediately, incredible chemistry. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's just an Aubrey Plaza thing. Like, I feel like she's the kind of person who, if her characters have like any connection, like I've I've never seen a character of hers that was like completely incapable of connecting with another human being. Any human being, just pick one. Doesn't want to most of the time, but can if pressed. It's like uh, I'm. Sh- I've seen this like as a tweet, probably, but it's like. Find someone whose weirdness matches your weirdness. And that's this couple. Yeah, this is the vibe, yes. (laughs) Which kind of, like, I think that's the, you know, it's subliminally communicated. So you end up, like, you end up starting to put together kind of, like, what what Kenneth's deal is kind of in your head. Because, yeah, they they do feel like they they have an instant connection, like they've shared something and... You know, Darius is a sad girl and Kenneth is a sad boy. So maybe their sadness is somehow like similar. I agree. Yeah. Kenneth lets Darius know that a lot of people are after him. And I have a question because I don't know the actual answer. Is it paranoia if you're correct? No. I don't think so. It still makes you look like a weirdo. But no, it's not paranoid. They are actually out to get you. That's just that's just being smart. (laughs) Yes. So they they wait till his shift is over. The whole journalism team follows him, and that almost goes south. So Darius quickly thinks of a lie and is able to salvage the situation. Very fast on her feet. But Kenneth agrees that she can be a part of this mission, or at least move forward with getting ready to be part of the mission. Mm-hmm. And says that he's going to do a background check. This ends up being very ironic because he... Either didn't do it or did a terrible job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to go with uh, probably terrible job. I'm actually going to go with didn't really do it because what do you need for a background check, guys? Social security. A name. A name. Full name. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even really need a social security number to get a good feel for who a person is. Or in Kenneth's case, to discover that she works for a fucking magazine. Right. That one might be tricky because she's an intern, but like still. Yeah. Not impossible though. I, I do I do background checks for a, a different reason as part of an application protocol for the program I used to work for. So yeah, I, I you don't need a social to find out if somebody is misrepresenting themselves, do you? <laughs> you do need a name though. <laughs> so I'm guessing that this is mostly to to make him appear to be more serious and professional and it just comes off as affected and weird mm-hmm. for sure that tracks oh i i wanted to go back to where they were at the game they were t- they were chatting at the football game that's and, next uh, so oh is it right next yeah, oh, yeah there's there's like two things in between mostly that jeff goes to see liz at her workplace which is a yep. salon yeah realizes that she's not as pretty in his opinion yeah yep. that's right which, by the way, fuck him? <laughs> yeah. She's fine. She's fine. I think she's a pretty attractive lady. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's like, 
wait, she's not blonde. Gotta go. But she's a, like a beautiful Auburn redhead. It's like, oh, goodness. <laughs> and more to the point, like, this guy is apparently so used to banging, like, exiguous Seattle models, I guess. The one, you know, you know, those models that famously all live in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, she's a bit fuller figured than he recalls and is not particularly interested in that. But now we are at the football game, Calvin. Yes, yes, the football game. So Darius proposes they meet there. Or no, it was Kenneth, right? Kenneth proposes they meet there, which I think is actually a pretty smart move. If you think someone's following you, that is a great place to go in plain sight. Big crowd. You can sit in the middle, be unnoticed. And obviously, Arno and Jeff follow along and, you know, watch watch from afar. But of course, that doesn't really pan out because uh, Jeff blows their cover in possibly the most American way possible. Drinking at a sporting event, being as loud as possible, and causing a big scene to get thrown out. And he pulls a Randy Marsh. <laughs> South Park meme. Yeah. He, he Randy's. <laughs> I thought this was America. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, loved, I love that. I love that part. Nice, nice, like, little touch there. Gives us more Jeff douchebaggery and. Boy, you can feel the awkward. You can just feel it when the when the woman shushes him from behind. Like, man, <laughs> how many times I wanted to be that woman. I, I've been that woman, actually. I have done that in the past. I have said that. But I've also been Jeff. I have been the one <laughs> talking like that <laughs> in a public forum where I've been shushed. We find out that they're going to travel back to 2001. And I said, oh, God, is this going to be like, remember me? <laughs> oh, I don't no. know. Oh, no. The Pat. I'll let you know now. No. (laughs) September 11th does not come into play, despite them going back to 2001. (laughs) Which, thank goodness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I would love it if the movie ended with Darius standing in the Twin Tower. Mm. Honestly, (laughs) that feels like it might be on brand. Yeah. It'd make more sense, right, than, than it did in Remember Me. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But they, Kenneth recognizes Jeff as Jeff is being thrown out. So he's like, we have to go because that guy, like, approached me. I don't trust him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, counter surveillance tip no, you don't have to go. If your tail gets thrown out of the public event that you went to to lose them, give it a little while and then try to leave because they're going to get bored or chased off by security and leave. And you've lost your tail. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense to leave at the same time, would it? Because that just gives them yeah. a chance to follow you outside, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Dumb. But Kenneth is not exactly all there in the head. Oh, <laughs> in you <don't> some say. <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. Also, as as him and Darius were talking outside, and he left, I was like, "There was a twelve percent chance that he threw down a smoke bomb." <laughs> like that's the vibe he gives up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. he disappears. Ah, you haven't seen the last of me. <laughs> Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Yeah, so at this point, and this is going to come back. Jeff is being escorted out of the game 
and says, all right, all right, I'm leaving of my own will. Or, oh, yeah. Wow. Good catch. That is a callback. Yeah. 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 We're going to, we're going to come back. Shadow. To yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. What, what happens next? Fuck, I can't training montage. Training, training montage. montage. I have that written down. 80s training montage. You gotta be a montage. Where did that start? <laughs> Wait, where did that, where did the 80s montage? Was it Rocky? I, it might have been. Was it Rocky? I'm actually Googling it now. I, I put a note to actually Google it during the recording <laughs> so that there's genuine surprise. So I'm not just spitting a fact. Where... It was invented by Team America World Police with the song <laughs> montage. In the in the two thousands. So, so the, the training montage may be separate from the preparation montage because I think the preparation montage was actually either Predator or Aliens. Okay. Aliens. There's a question on movie stacks on a movies.stackexchange.com. It says what nineteen eighties movies was the first to have an official montage? And this says well that's not really specific though because yeah. no, it's not the idea it's... of montage dates back to the 50s really yeah so sense. this is huh. uh this the guys the idea guys of we, we can't get diverted like this <laughs> yeah we're never gonna get through this movie oh i'm sorry <laughs> no, no no hold on to that information we're, i'm gonna keep it mm-hmm. this particular training montage has atrocious trigger discipline oh, uh God. yes it does terrible <laughs> fire at will just run down range to make it harder but also put yourself in bodily harm in way of bodily harm well, well safety's not guaranteed so it huh? was at this point that i started wondering like mm, what uh what are they doing that requires gunplay what are you going back in time to do there buddy but they kind of finished that up and then have a conversation on a beach mm-hmm. and at this point, I noted in my notes and in my live react that a lot of movies, a lot of indie movies, are just a lot of talking. And this is one of those scenes. But yeah. this movie, Safety Not Guaranteed, does have a lot of other verbs that move us scene to scene. Mm. Yes. Is this where we learn about their reasons for going back in time? Um, I feel like they were cagey about it at this point. I have that Darius tells him something. What does Darius tell him? Shit. Basically saving her mom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was the full story. Like, just said I'd go back and, you know, save my mom. Right. Okay. As far as I remember, that's about the end of the scene. Mm, yeah, I think I, I think so. And we go to our least favorite B story. <laughs> okay. So, am I... Alright. I think this is where Jeff tries to talk to Liz? Yes. At at her home, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Jeff goes to Liz's home, and, you know, they have a brief chat, and you know, Jeff isn't used to talking to oh hell, real people. So (laughs) he comes across as, like, not really having anything going on. And that's fair. Honestly, like, his life is a little bit empty. Like, he doesn't have a lot of hobbies. He doesn't have like he's very proud of the fact that he drives an Escalade. Remember those days? <laughs> this is 2012. My God, what an innocent time! <laughs> he's very proud that he drives an Escalade. You know, like a chump, and he has this. You know, let's call it a high power job, and that's pretty much all that is in his life. And Liz 
has a lot more going on and it kind of makes him feel um, insecure about the lack of shit he has going on. Though she does say she hasn't changed much and if you haven't changed much since age 18, that's a red flag. That's a red flag in Seattle. I feel like in a smaller place, like it's how are you going to change? There's nothing to change into. You change into an adult and then whatever like there's there's not that much going on in in a small town like this yeah i i you guys both grew up in st louis right no well i grew up in that's actually a complicated question but let's (laughs) say i've been to st louis enough yeah where where did you grow up sophia like what area all over all over is probably the best way to put it yeah yeah mostly in the south right Mm mm-hmm gotcha yeah, I grew up in a I grew up in a small town, not like small small, but I, I grew up in a in a community where people didn't you know usually leave like they'd stay they'd go to college and come back or they'd yeah. stay there most of their lives. You know, my parents both were born there, never moved from there until they were around my age. I am now, so they have all their friends back there, all their siblings are there, their parents are there. So I, I do, I think, I agree. I think a lot of people in those communities don't, they don't change a whole lot because like you said, there isn't much to change into. However, I do think it is important that, you know, you continue to grow and change yourself as you get older. Maybe not your core traits, but you kind of start, you know, solidifying the things that you that you want to keep and, and maybe sort of push out some of the the negatives or the insecurities or Whatever, whatever you're holding on to from your from your youth, you you hope to shed that as an adult, and that's to me that's what that's what changing is as you get older. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I very seriously doubt that Liz was a hairdresser as a child, Probably so <laughs> obviously she has changed a little bit, but you know, not in those core ways that that you were talking about. Probably. I not. feel I should probably clarify though. What brought that up in the in the movie is that she used to be blonde. Jeff comments that she's now redhead. And it's like, yep, I changed it. That's about all that has changed. Which, mm-hmm. like, that's real casual conversation. That's not getting into yeah. sort of stuff we're talking about. No, but it kind of leads into that, you know, in a way where, like, philosophically, it's like, you know, like, for Jeff, that's what he wanted, right? Because he wanted to go back to the old 18-year-old that, you know, he slept with in whatever it was, 93. And, you know, here she is saying, well, all that's changed is my hair. So for Jeff, that's like a, that's a big, like, hell yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's clearly chasing after lost youth because he recognizes that his adult life doesn't really work. But yeah, I mean, it it is, it is kind of a thing that he's looking for that, that, you know, Liz hasn't changed a whole lot. And then Liz, he like has this neck thing, like he's got a crick in his neck because he's been, okay. We failed to talk about this. They're only budgeted for one hotel room for this excursion. So there's mm-hmm. two looks like full-size beds. Oh, so God. Jeff and Arno have been sharing a bed. <laughs> and it's been giving Jeff a terrible crick in the neck. So exactly like you don't want when you have a crick in the neck, Liz gives him a neck massage that he really enjoys. She also has some pies in the oven. She also has some pies in the oven, which (laughs) that sounds like code to me, but okay. It's symbolism. (laughs) 
Anyway, all this is to say she's proving that she is far too good for this man who is a piece of shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But we're also seeing that that he's he's not an irredeemable piece of shit. Mm-mm. No, not at all. I, I, I that's something I enjoy about this movie in general is it doesn't it doesn't make any of its characters one or even two dimensional. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. So where do we go from there? The next thing I have is that there was like a home movie thing between Darius and Kenneth. A home movie thing. It's like them preparing, but it's like filmed on a camcorder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, essentially like. Darius has not forgotten that her job is, in fact, to get this scoop on this crazy guy who thinks he can travel backwards in time. So she's recording, you know, his thoughts on on things. And and it's essentially an interview. And, you know, Kenneth being a, you know, a broken person crying out for help is fine being interviewed. And so we get to see that. That's the next couple of, of scenes where he's basically just, you know, talking about how he's prepared for all of this and the importance of having a broad skill set and so on and so forth. This section, I thought it was funny to frame it as like a camcorder interview because it kind of feels like they're using that to get away with things that would probably not pass as acceptable cinematography, speaking wise. Because like there's some weird cuts. The picture quality is not, like, amazing. <laughs> so I never took a documentary class, so I'll defer to Calvin on this one. You know, I I wouldn't say... I, I, I'm trying to remember, what, what exact part are we talking about where they're making their kind of home movie together? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add. I would probably say, yeah, that would be the style if you're looking for, you know, found footage or home footage. However, they decided... Colin Trevero, Trevaro was the director. I think he did a good job of making that definitely feel like a home movie and amateur-esque, but anything that's done in a professional setting has some level of professionality to it. You know, it's kind of like the, the meta of it. Like you can't, you can, a professional can't make it so unprofessional, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm teasing because it's like, okay, here's, it's, <laughs> it's almost like if they needed to film more, but they ran out of the budget. So they're like, okay, and <laughs> we we got to do it this way. It, that's certainly not what happened. Uh, I'm just teasing about it. <laughs> right. Speaking of the film budget, do you guys know what it was? Off the top of my head, I do not. Any guesses? Anyone want to throw one out before I, I unveil? I would say... Four million. I wouldn't go that high. I'd You're going two. for budget? Okay. Four million is the guess. Two million. Mm-hmm. Sophia? Three quarters of a million. Nice. Do you know how much they made back? No idea. Sixteen million. Four point four million. Okay. So they did pretty well on the movie. Yeah. Like it. It, it did. It made good money for the Duplasses. So. Oh, good for them. Fun fact: There is actually a person in the credits as a time travel consultant. No kidding. Yeah, <laughs> John Silvera. <laughs> oh wow. Amazing. Okay, what else? Oh, they go to the restaurant. Yes. That's the next thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Big moment here. Yeah. Bizarre, okay. honestly. <laughs> yeah, so this was... This could have gone in a completely different direction, and I'm glad it didn't go in that direction. So at this point, you know, Kenneth and Darius are, are talking, 
and this kid that's sitting behind them facing Darius is like, I mean, he's a kid, he's gross with food, and Darius is like, nope, can't do that, can't do that, can we please go somewhere else? And Kenneth turns around, and his ear flops around, Mm -hmm. and obviously Darius notices this and like brings it up, and Kenneth freaks, fully freaks out, and you know, calls the entire thing off and runs to his car while like clasping his ear to his head because his ear is coming off. We find out that for reasons that are not really explained to us, Kenneth requires prosthetic ears. Could be a lot of reasons to miss an ear. <laughs> yeah, I mean it could be it could be congenital, it could be an accident. There's any number of reasons, but It is important to have ears because they do funnel sound into your skull. Without it, you're going to have a hard time hearing, folks. Yeah, mostly locating sound is the the outer ear is called the pinna is the scientific name if anyone wants to nerd (laughs) into it. But because, you know, you really you mean you hear in your inner and middle ear, your outer ear is your pinna doesn't doesn't do the act of hearing, but it helps localize sound. It's how we're able to you know, know where things are coming from, turn our heads appropriately. So missing a pinna sucks. And it just, mostly it just looks weird. It's just not normal. <laughs> so unless you yeah. want to wear your hair long all the time. You end up looking like Red Skull. Yeah. It's not great. The two details are, it seems he only needs it on the left ear. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. had this problem since he was a child. Right. Yeah. So there, again, there are any number of reasons that this could be, that this could be a thing. But, but it's not really gone into because, honestly, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Nope. This doesn't come up again. The fact of it doesn't matter, but it allows for an emotionally intimate scene between the two. Did you guys notice that the, the ear prosthetic is mismatched? Like, the color is off? Yeah, and you can actually notice that in other scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I, I, didn't, I didn't zero in on it. It is a very deep-hued orange. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Mark Duplass is tasty like me. <laughs> if he got a spray tan, it probably wouldn't have been so different. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I no, no, I don't. Anyway, I don't, I don't like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they have this emotional moment where, like, you know, it's the first time that Kenneth has, you know, put down this brash invulnerability. That, that, like, is, you know, represented to people by this, like, officialized, like, procedure and the language that he uses to, to talk about this time travel thing. And, and we're finally seeing through that into the person behind that. So it, 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 is, it is definitely a, a humanizing moment for, for Kenneth. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that because, honestly, I was starting to forget that thing about you don't know pain. And just, you know, place him in the crazy bucket. Yeah, definitely kind of childish in his social interactions. Reminds me definitely of someone on the spectrum in terms of how they treat their their social interactions. Yeah, it would definitely be, I don't know, like, he, he, he strikes me as like, it's not something that like, really is a huge problem and prevents him from like, living. It's a normal life, but it does no. kind of interfere with normal social interactions. And like, I don't know, like most of the people I know who are on the spectrum are perfectly capable of social interaction. Like there's just like one or two things that, that you could possibly say to them. And they're like, oh, 
I see. Right, but this is also more reminiscent of a child who's on the spectrum. Yeah, um, okay, that's fair. Honestly, this just struck me more as like, you know, a trauma response, like, you know, pretty pretty nasty PTSD from something more than yeah. necessarily. Oh, yeah. Very well, could be. It definitely comes up later that he was bullied and yeah. having a prosthetic ear certainly didn't help. No, no. Mm-mm. It reminds me of that character, Christian Bale's character in The Big Short, who doesn't have, you know, he's missing an eye, he has a prosthetic eye. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and being an eye doctor, I work with people who do have prosthetic eyes, and it is a very big source of insecurity for a lot of them, especially when they had it when they were children. Okay. Well, obviously, this is the first time that we're meeting, so I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do. I'm an optometrist, so nice. I see lots of different, you know, um, eye he's problems. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. A goyish doctor. A goy doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so that's my background. More so, I don't know the physics stuff as much outside of optics. <laughs> outside of optics, I don't know much about physics. So I do know about lasers, but only in the medical application. Mm. So I'm always like, oh, you know, la- I know lasers do other stuff, but that's that's the only place I know them. Which I think takes us to our next scene, where yeah, they lasers. are going to steal a laser from a medical facility. Yeah, it's or a good old fashioned heist. It's heist I love time. a heist. We need this movie adds that element of the heist in in a few spots. And this part, you really feel like, oh shit, like they're actually going to do it because you're like, man, this guy's just nuts and he's he's a goon. But he 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 puts the pedal to the metal, man. He gets in there. Yeah, and like clearly, impulse control is not a problem for him because I mean, very all right. I don't think you should steal lasers necessarily but if you're dead set on doing it not hurting people is great and he does that like he's he's very capable of not hurting people you know when the plan goes entirely sideways <laughs> i love the timing too because it's during like an office party or birthday party and it's late yes. at night so you're like what are these people doing <laughs> here so late like i guess their second shift but like you wouldn't think a lot of white collar jobs are doing second shift like that, but no, no, you wouldn't. And also, when he goes to take it from the like storage closet or the storage area, there's some people in there making out. There's oh, some there people was. in there making out. Like there's a bunch of old people having cake, and he gets all the shit and gets it onto a rolling cart and takes it to the loading dock and is followed by basically everybody in the building who keeps asking him like, "Hey, man, what are you doing with that?" Hey, where, where are you going, man? <laughs> it's just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I was kind of in charge of security at a place I worked because I was the IT guy. And mm-hmm. so I like I did the IT part of security and they're like, oh, you could do the rest, whatever. The physical security. <laughs> sort of. But God. one of the things is like, you can't be like, there's a thing is of being too nice and polite. Mm-hmm. that can get in the way of security. So like mm-hmm. we were a re- religious organization. So our, we were a target for people who wanted to do harm to a religious organization. So it's like, Hey, you can't just, you shouldn't just like let people in the door. We have a buzzer system. Yeah. And you do have to master the art of telling people professionally and politely to fuck off. Yes. That being said, it is very funny in movies when politeness and manners allow for crime. Very, very funny. But 
Like, okay, Kenner, my guy. My favorite human. Cover your fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> Crime number 101. This is this is 2012, so we don't... I can't really make a COVID joke here, even though I desperately want to. But Mark Duplass has a very distinctive nose. It's sharp relative to his face, which is more rounded. That's the sort of thing you could pick out of a lineup pretty easily. So it's very important that you cover anything that does not obscure your vision. That said, yeah, they, they load up the stuff and Darius is not wearing any kind of face covering. And like 27 people just witnessed them steal all this shit. And they no drive gloves off. either. No, no gloves, gloves either. No. Nope. Uh, yeah. Very bad at the criming, <laughs> which fine. <laughs> but they, you know, fuck off into the ether. Yeah. It ends up working out fine. Like they don't get stopped. Kenneth gets a little scared when they come across some road workers. They're like, they're government. They're going to report us. Oh, God. It's like, eh. Oh, it, it is important to note that, that Kenneth is aware that he's being followed, but is not exactly sure by whom. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, but here's where they have deeper conversations about why Kenneth is going back. Yeah. So Kenneth, we, we learn. So I had already, I had just assumed that like he lost somebody very important to him. Like they died and like they're just gone forever. And that's why he's going back, which not quite. He's going back to stop someone, some jerk, some asshole from running, uh, getting drunk and driving a car into his love interest's house, which he claims did kill her. He also refers to her as his girlfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, he says that this was his first girlfriend, and... That's a bit of a red flag. There's a reason that first girlfriends tend not to last. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also... Shit, I just lost my train of thought. Some incel shit? (laughs) Yeah, it's that. I don't know. I'll come back to it. I won't come back to it. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So we're to the point where they're at the campfire, right? Not yet. No, not no. yet. We're no, no. what am I? What are we missing? So Jeff wants to check out Kenneth's shed. Oh, and in doing so, Kenneth like sees the people who are following him. That's right. He drives off. They drive off, and our journalist people also drive off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so everybody like they're actually following people who are actually following Kenneth because okay, Jeff still thinks like or Jeff thought he was a crazy person, and that's it. So right. he's like, all right, yeah, dude, you're being followed. Okay, sure. And then to find out that they're, that some people are actually following him makes this a lot more interesting. And he's back in the game now. Yes, this is where, yeah, this is where we have the, the parallel shots of the car chase where we're going back to the three different cars simultaneously. Yeah. Chase is very funny because they do point out they're going 15 miles an hour. Right. <laughs> It's it's more of a comedic chase. And Jeff is like, this is really intense. <sighs> Which it, I think it would be for most people, right? I mean, how many, how often do you, how many car chases have you had or follows? Well, surveillance is one of those things that like, it, it requires you to have memorized an extremely complex dance mm. while operating a motor vehicle at a speed that is slow, but not suspiciously slow. So there's a lot going on there. And yeah, for the average person, for a person who's never done this before, yeah, it would be pretty intense. 
Yeah, you got to keep your distance, but don't look like you're keeping your distance. Yeah. Fly casually, as one would say. Futurama? <laughs> like Futurama, yeah. <laughs> Fly casually, I love it, yeah. That's what I was quoting. God, that was a great joke. Yeah. So, wow, we are that far. Okay, so we've got the follow scene, and now we have Kenneth dropping off some money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a small scene, but, you know, we see Shannon earlier on. He's the guy, the coworker he's talking to. And Darius has money from Kenneth to give to him. She doesn't know it's money, but she goes in, gives him the money. And, you know, that's kind of like the, like, oh, what a good guy he is. Yeah. Moment, right. Yeah. I thought that was, that was nice. Yeah, it was. It, it, it humanizes him and, you know, makes you aware that at the end of the day, he is engaging with the real world and is not lost entirely in no. his fantastical plans to travel back in time. Right. So after that, they go... Where do they go? Fuck. Where do they go? We have a little bit more of Jeff and Liz. Yes. Oh, that's right. Because now now they're like you know, montage of cute shit, right? Yep. Awesome. So yeah, they're like Jeff and, and Liz are like feeding chickens and shit. Yeah having a picnic in which they decide, you know what? This picnic sucks. Let's bone. <laughs> it's a good place to bone. Personally, I super hate that thing of like, yeah, let's just push off the food onto the ground. It's like, you, can you take 10 you, seconds? You worked so hard on it, right? It, it, just to see the ants eat it. And also, I said good place to bone for the bench. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract that, unless it's a plastic bench, because you're going to splinter your ass all up. Oh, yeah. If you bone on that wood. Bench. Absolutely. And this right. is Washington. Like, it is, you know, cold and wet all the time. Termites. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Termites it's, in your ass. Yeah. That, that, that thing is basically driftwood. Mm-hmm. You said it. So they go through that, and then we cut to them in the bedroom, and they have their, their conversation. In a bit. In between there is Kenneth and Darius in, like, the woods and say, yes. one, learn cryptography, which always stood out to me. <laughs> the Saint Goodnight Code. I looked it up. It is, it's not real. It's, it's, it was made up for this. All right. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to come in and be like, oh, that's, that's like when you, you know, you type it in this way or you use this. Whatever. No, it's, it's just also, completely made up. If you can just give the code, like if you can say, okay, here's the code. Here's how you encrypt your information and you can do that in like two steps it's very easy to crack yeah pretty sure alan turing figured that that one out a long time ago <laughs> enigma is significantly more complicated yes <laughs> there's a thing kenneth asks he goes do you know what star wars is and i think it would have been really funny if darius said the movie or the government defense program oh kyle i think you should have been a writer on this one <laughs> yeah honestly that would have been really funny. Yeah. I don't think I trust anyone with my Star Wars figures. I don't think I would. No, they're too yeah. valuable. No. Even out of the package. <laughs> hmm. So now we go back to Jeff and Liz, correct? Yes. Yes. Sorry, guys. I, I basically no, have no. my I have my notes in some... It's in the order, but they're kind of just ideas that I have. on. So sometimes I right. am uh, behind on it. So like a scene happens and then I write a note about it and then... The next, so it's a little out of order, but yeah, I, I thought this was, this is a very pivotal moment in the film for me because you, you see something very real out of Jeff 
the fear of vulnerability and rejection and what how we and that seems like it's something that would happen right like mm-hmm. you 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 feel like that's really real and that's great to see out of his character yeah it it, it manifests itself in some deep gray incel shit yeah and i don't like <laughs> that but yeah like he throws it all on the line after boning this girl like once as an adult and is like, hey, why don't you move back to Seattle with me? And she's like, no, yeah, no. Right, right. I have my own stuff going on. We both know this is fun, but it won't last. No, not doing that. And he gets butt hurt by this, not realizing that that's her being vulnerable to him in return and decides that the appropriate response is to storm out and just like never, I guess, talk to her again. Oh, but here's yeah. the callback. That's the callback. Yep. I yeah. Was gonna say. So leaving. Yeah. Here's the callback because while while he's he's you know telling her how much this sucks and and like you know oh yeah he ends up thanking her because like well you just saved me a lot of trouble and whatnot. She goes all right. Please. She probably leave. did if that's true. I mean if if that's how she really felt then yeah. And that's what her and that's her kindness right. And obviously he doesn't see that in the moment, but someone who's willing to say that. But but she doesn't feel that way. Right, right. And that's what and that's her being honest and saying, like, dude, I'm I'm not I'm not as into this as you are, which is I which is, you know, kind of a twist. I don't necessarily think that's that's hundred percent true. I think that she's using that as a way to communicate her anxiety about not only her, her body and how it's changed as she's aged, mm. but also, you know, the speed at which this thing is moving like why would you sure. why would you think that after what has this been two maybe three days i would be prepared to leave my stable life and go to seattle where you know all right i'm, I'm about to do something I, I i hate doing and i'm gonna engage in just a little bit of incel-esque <laughs> talk i used to live in a smaller city i was considered more attractive than average in that small city. And then I moved to New York and things changed. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like a California six versus a small town 10 or something. Exactly. I was a Des Moines eight and a New York four. So, <laughs> so that's sort of like, you know, the kind of anxiety that she's expressing here, but she's saying it in this way. It's like, you know, look, I'm too old for this shit. Right. You know, this is, you know, we, we've, been here for three days there's no reason to think this works long term right and instead of you know responding with understanding which is what she was looking for he responds by getting butthurt about it and leaving Mm -hmm. and here's the callback he says some stuff that insults her and she says all right please leave and he says i'm leaving on my own choice or, or right whatever it is he calls back to the football thing yeah i'm leaving because i want to yeah like under my own power, not because you said, not because you asked me, because I want to. <laughs> I think is what. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. leaving because I want to. And now he goes into a self-destructive spiral, and he's taking Arno with him. <laughs> yeah, he is. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily self-destructive for Arno. I was gonna say it does. It benefits Arno, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean ultimately, it, yes, but in a way, it makes him extremely uncomfortable. Sure. At the very least, they do go to a carnival, so. 
they do go to a carnival. They do bumper cars. They do go-karts. They get shitty drunk with a group of people who cannot be 18 years old. Probably I know. Not. I was like, ugh, ugh. Yes, there is absolutely no way that crowd, that two girls and one, I don't know, goth femboy are yeah. fully 18 years old. <laughs> I I want to make this joke. Him go-karting mm-hmm. while drinking incredible that it predates breaking bad in which there is a scene of jesse pinkman go-karting with the caption go-kart sadly (laughs) maybe breaking bad stole this they probably stole it i'm calling shenanigans (laughs) it's not not stealing it's an homage homaging so yeah they have the world's worst time at a carnival, but they're insistent because this is this is what, you know, partying underage is actually like. They're, mm-hmm. They insist that they're having a great time, even though they're very <laughs> clearly not. And I don't know, like, there, there's a point where Jeff and Arno have a talk in there, and Arno's like, I'm not you, Jeff. I don't know how to do this. And Jeff's like, All right, well, look, I can help you with that. We'll just pop your collar a little bit. I'm like, don't do that. Put these dark ass glasses on you while, you know, in the middle of the night. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Real pickup artist shit. Yeah. Oh, just God. very gross. And, you know, but, but does give him an actually helpful pep talk, a pep talk where he says like, look, you know, you're not going to be young forever. This is, you know, the best time of your life in 10 years, you're going to be paying bills and terrified of losing your job. The entire world is going to radically change very soon. Live it up now. There's going to be a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Beautiful. <laughs> also intercut with this scene is Darius and Kenneth sitting around a fire talking about whatever. And Kenneth ends up playing what's called a zither, which is... Some kind of stringed instrument. My cantor plays a zither. Huh. Okay, guys. Dating advice with Aunt Sophia. <laughs> there is not a woman alive who does not appreciate a romantic song made by, you know, just some random person. And, you know, if you can play it right and you're not a bad singer, even better. I almost dropped an egg during this sequence, and I don't even have the required equipment to do so. Every girl loves this shit, and Darius is no exception. Mm-mm. No, it's a really good song too. I I, I really enjoy the song. I was a little surprised to to hear that like Mark Boss got pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they wrote it too. I it, it's it's a it's an original song, and it is heartwarming and touching, and yeah. I am 100% lesbian, but that was working for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then we, to wrap up this section, we do see Arno and one of the girls sitting on the bed very nervously, and the girl has to take the lead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she does. And then they, you know, leave in the morning, and (laughs) Jeff is sleeping in a plastic chair outside. (laughs) We've all been to that party. We got to party hard. Yeah. And then Darius comes like over the hill and Jeff gets a call from Bridget, who he's mm-hmm. been like kind of like interacting with, but mostly blowing off 
It's like, yeah, 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 I'll send, I'll send you notes. It's going to be great. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, we're good. But this time, Bridget's not taking this bullshit. Mm-mm. She has been reviewing the notes and did some extra research. And the lady that Kenneth is going back to save is alive and well. Dun-dun-dun. Her name is Belinda, by the way, which is my mom's name. Interesting. Not a very common name. No. Oh. So yeah, they set up an interview with Belinda, who is played by Kristen Bell. Yeah, I'm surprised to see her in this. Certainly. And we find out that Kenneth was projecting a lot of feelings onto Belinda. Yep, very incelish. And that he was the one who rammed his car into, it was actually her boyfriend's house. Yep. Just a big old yikes. Yeah, it definitely raises some red flags. It starts making you think, which direction is this story going with with Kenneth? I think we lost Sophia. Sophia, you dropped out for a second. What did you have to say about the reveal of Kenneth? Yeah, hi. Sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah, so we talked to Belinda, who is played by Kristen Bell, who is delightful and wonderful and whom we stand. So we learned that Kenneth wasn't telling the whole truth about why he wants to go back it is true that he was you know bullied a lot and that belinda was you know a friend when he couldn't find a whole lot of those but he misunderstood his relationship with belinda as one that is romantic whereas like she didn't view their relationships romantic at all and, you know, identified he was difficult. So she got a fiancé, and Kenneth is the drunk asshole jerk who drove his car not into her house, but into his house. And they covered for him and made sure that, you know, he was okay because he's a deeply disturbed dude. But as Darius leaves Belinda's house, she meets the men who have been following Kenneth. <laughs> yes. Uh, do, do they identify where they're from? I don't think so. I don't remember. Do you remember, Sophia? Mm, I don't remember either. Not hugely important. The gist of it is Kenneth was being really sketchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kenneth was being real sketchy online, and these people wanted to make sure that he wasn't a spy, basically. Yeah. There's not much else there. Well, Jeff does his job and, you know, doesn't let these obvious cops just hassle his people who are, you know, 18-year-old interns for no reason. So that, you know, good on Jeff. You know, he ran interference like he's got him all supposed to. And yeah, I think that's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's interesting because it really makes you think more about Kenneth's character. Like, is he a liar? Is he... Is he a real manipulator? Is he, you know, like, it, it, it builds a lot. And, you know, you can feel you're getting towards the end of the movie. And you're, and you're kind of, like, left with more questions about the guy, which I think is pretty good or writing. Is he delusional? Yeah, or is he delusional? Or, you know, how far, how far does this go? Mm-hmm. I like that Darius voice when she... So, okay, I guess we should go to what, what, goes, what happens next is she follows Kenneth into, the, into his little hut, right? They, they go looking for him, and then they, they stumble in, the whole team, I guess, so Dar- Darius, Jeff, and Arnu. 
and they find all his diagrams of his machines and they're kind of like uh wt fuck (laughs) (laughs) what is happening like does this is this guy really doing it there was a slight bit before this what's it where where darius goes in alone to confront him yes Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. That's okay. See, I had that. I had the note that she confronts him, but I didn't know if the confrontation happened before or after. And you know, he plays it off by going like, "Oh, great, Belinda's alive. That's wonderful. It worked. The mission must have worked." Yeah, that's right. He says yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But Darius is not buying it. Yeah. My little note was about Darius. Her voice changes. She she has a more s- sincere voice to her, like. More mm-hmm. like how I, I how most people talk, not like Aubrey Plaza and Parks and Rec talk. <laughs> the flattest yeah. affect possible. So yeah. that was definitely definitely a, an interesting switch to watch there. And then they go in and find out that oh shit, he's really he's building something. Yeah. So so Kenneth hightails it because Jeff and Arno come in to warn him that the people who are following him have arrived and Kenneth misses that part and is focused mostly on the fact that these dudes are working with Darius and Mm -hmm. that's real sketchy. And like, are you making fun of me? Was the takeaway. And Jeff is like, no, no, we're not making fun of you. We're really actually interested in this. We're writing an article about it, about you. And, And like, obviously in the moment is probably not the time to, break all that down so he freaks out and takes off into the woods yes what's wild is this is like the last 10 minutes of the movies including credits yep like this feels so late for this confrontation but i think it kind of works in the movie this is what i was talking about with a utterly mystifying pacing Mm -hmm. it kind of trances you in you, you get sucked into the story and it moves very well, and then the end, it's all of a sudden like, oh, here we go. Like, get ready for everything to happen. All your questions might be answered right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh, 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 okay. I think it does work. Yeah, yeah. It's not conventionally paced, but it does work, yeah. So they go into the hut after Kenneth, you know, hightails it out of there. The actual machine is missing, but in lieu of red string and Pepe Silvia written everywhere... <laughs> there is blueprints for a machine that looks uh, it does resemble a, a radial aircraft engine a little bit the airboat well no we don't we don't see the airboat yet that's that's oh, coming right. that's coming. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the last one probably the last thing we do see right <laughs> yep so yeah. yeah they they're like oh shit it, this this guy might be hey arno you're smart you wear glasses is this a time travel machine? He's like, I don't know. Awesome major. What the fuck are you asking? <laughs> so Darius runs off into the woods to the quote unquote launch site. Right. Well, he says, cause Kenneth says to her, you know, if you trust me or you believe in me, like meet me out at the dock at five. That was the line. Yeah. And she, she goes out and, well, first she she looks for his Star Wars figures in the truck because he said if anything goes wrong, you know, come back to the spot and look for these figures. And she opens the canister and they're gone. And that kind of mystified me a little bit because I'm like, does that mean he has them in his pocket when he left, or does that mean he came he traveled back in time and found them? 
Oh, I misunderstood that. Yeah, that that is a Dropbox for messages. Mm-hmm. So, like, it had been empty and it remained empty. Yeah, mm-hmm. was my takeaway. Whatever. They're on the docks. The agents have come, or the journalists have come. There's Darius at the one end on the shore, and Kenneth in this airboat. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he confronts Darius and just says, "Hey." Were you making fun of me? And she says, no. He believes her and, you know, takes her back onto the mission. Right then and there. It just like, boom. Hey, by the way, <laughs> do you think I'm an a- do you think I'm, a- I'm an asshole to make fun of? No. Okay. Welcome back aboard. And then, of course, it's I'm not going back for Belinda anymore. I'm going back for you. And you're like, oh, super cool. And then what happens next? Then the boat fucking disappears. It starts up and in a very Steven Spielberg-esque sequence, <laughs> it starts just blowing air. Which, by the way, the budget was, as we said earlier, a quarter million. What percent do you think was used on that effect alone? 700,000. <laughs> <laughs> so Aubrey Plaza, Jeff Johnson, Karen Sony, all of them are taking like a grand home for being in the movie. <laughs> Look, sometimes you you take a pay cut for a passion project. That's they true. They got points on the back end. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyways, <laughs> the the boat fucking yeah disappears. It shot big purple flash and boom, it's gone. And Jeff is like, woohoo! And that's movie, right? Yeah, that's roll, old, credits. roll credits. Yeah. yeah, there's a final thing with there's a final thing with like a little more of that like home movie footage, but yeah, in the credits. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. But nothing yeah. too significant. We are finished with this movie. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Calvin, you are our guest. Is there anything you would like to discuss? Well, I I think that the movie has a theme that it kind of contradicts with how it ends about reliving your past. And yes. that, that's that's a huge theme in the movie. And and by the time machine working, it kind of just says, fuck that. Like you can go back. You know? And so it kind of <laughs> The first time I watched it, I thought, oh, this, you know, it's a great movie. It, it's a really nice film. It's well done. It's well executed, well acted. You like the story, but you rewatch it and you pay attention to those little things. So if you're being an asshole film critic like we are, like, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you're just watching it and then to enjoy it, it's great. You know, if you don't, if you don't overthink it, it's awesome. But when you dive into the theme and the, and the central message, it's like, well, if you can't relive your past, but you have a time machine and you know you it, it, you see it's possible, like then what the fuck did this all matter? Like then what then what did this mean? You know, if you're not reliving your past, what are you doing with a time machine? <laughs> right. I understand. Like we're we're moving on from our past. I get that. We're trying to not relive it or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean when the time machine does work? What are you doing then? <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, Darius's mother is still dead. Yes. And she still blames herself for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, time travel is always messy in movies because it, it opens up the, you know, the time streams and the infinite timelines and the, you know, like, oh, but if you went back and changed it, would it, you know, back to the future, it's like everything's normal, but then he goes back in time and then he comes back from the future to present day. And it's like, oh, his dad's a sci-fi writer and like his life is totally different. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Or you get the Doctor Who slash time machine thing where there are certain 
things about reality, about time that are fixed points and nothing you do, nothing you change can possibly change the fact that this person will die at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The predestination time travel ones are fascinating because it's actually big old spoilers for Russian Doll season two. Oh, that's a whole like the supernatural thing in that instead of a time loop is more time travel. And it deals with like what happened already happened in Nadia's time. Mm -hmm. She just didn't realize that she affected it like bizarre. I always think those are funny. It's like, yeah, you think you're fixing things, but it's always how it was going to happen. Yeah. And you know what that actually reminds me of? And you're going to, you're all going to laugh at this. That's so Raven. That's how every episode was structured where she would see into the future and she would try to change it. But the outcome happened regardless because it happened in a different context that she didn't understand. And and it's, it's funny that that kind of level of time travel or, or seeing the future is explained in a, in a kid's show. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I, okay. All right. I am haunted by the Guy Pierce version of the time machine which is by the way it's just a genuinely bad movie it's real bad the movie the time machine yeah oh i have never seen it you know what it probably belongs on our list because no please no god no 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 (laughs) (laughs) no one watch guy pierce come on but there's a part in it where he loses fiance to random street violence or something and he goes back and changes it only to have her get run over by a car. And then he goes back and changes it like a bunch of other times. And it leaves him this broken husk of a man who Mm. just, you know, keeps muttering. I could go back a thousand times and watch her die a thousand different ways, which is basically the same thing, Calvin, as you were saying, except extremely grim. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Dr. Strange episode of Marvel's what if. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, or, Futurama, where the time duplicate's always doomed. Lars yes. dies because he's the time duplicate. He, whenever you go back to the future, or whenever you go back to the past <laughs> and come back, there's going to be a double, which I think is what would actually happen, right? If that, if you were to take the linear assumption of time, like when you came back, there's only one place to return to, and there would be two of you. And just like in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, where they they travel. They have a limited time travel ability, but they come back and there's still two of them. And like, you have to come back to the exact spot to merge. Otherwise your double is hanging out there. And I'm like, is that person doomed? Like, is this, is Futurama right? I think Futurama is right. Is what I'm getting to. That's the whole point. And also Guy Pierce can only be in time travel movies or something to do with changing the concept of time. Like Memento. Yeah, I was about to say Memento. I'm like, when you're describing time machine, I'm like, okay, so, so far it's Memento. And then, <laughs> And then it's like, okay, I guess he watches her die a thousand different ways. I'm like, all right, well, that's not quite memento, but... And where did the Morlocks come in? So he travels forward to, like, 2200, and they're about to colonize the moon by detonating nuclear weapons beneath the lunar surface to open up caverns. And it breaks up large chunks of the moon, which crash into the Earth and destroy society. Which then 400,000 years later, or 800,000 years later, rather, develops into the Morlock and Eloy dichotomy. Sure. Okay. In what movie? Was that in Time Machine or is that in Doctor yeah. Who? 
Oh, that's Time Machine. I, for a college class, read H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, so I'm aware. Yeah, he, he gets his head knocked during the lunar debris impact and, like, accidentally, like, pushes forward the accelerator, and then, like, he's unconscious for a while. Was that for your seminar, Kyle? Where did you read that in? That was British modernism. It, it was oh. an English class that counted as a history credit. Oh, goodness. Nice. Yeah. There's also a funny part in the book where he goes even farther into the future, and it's just crab people. Or nah. Hey, he prefigured carcination. I like yeah. it. <laughs> do we have any more? I do have a piece of analysis if everyone's got theirs. Yeah, go for it. Mm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have one thing. Sure. Okay. I'm going to get a little sciency on everybody. Please. So the machine, the lasers, are arranged in a way that suggests that there are converging laser beams at a central point. Mm-hmm. It's unclear necessarily, like, if you take a linear one-dimensional view of time, that means you go backwards and forwards, and that space-time as a material stretches in both directions. Okay, you can't cool something to absolute zero. That's impossible. It's widely regarded as completely and utterly impossible. Hmm. So, like, even in empty space, almost as cold as you can get it, there are random quantum fluctuations that cause virtual particle-antiparticle pairs to appear and annihilate, which creates a little bit of, of energy. So absolute zero is an impossibility. That said, the closest that we've gotten actually used a method called laser cooling. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you get a, a material, and since heat is expressed in vibrations of, of atoms... If you shine a laser that converges on that sample at all six points in, you know, three-dimensional space, that's, you know, left, right, forward, back, up, down, you can impart, you know, kinetic energy such that it slows that that material to very, very close to absolute zero. So, like, they, the wavelengths would have to be opposite, though, correct? Of the vibration? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. So, yeah, they would. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bit more complex than than you know what I what I pitched it to, but like it paints a picture. So you're basically pushing with you know these beams of light against the material to keep it from moving in all six directions. Right. And we've found I think three different new forms of matter by doing this. One of which is the Bose-Einstein condensate, mm-hmm. which is just extremely cool. All on its own. It, it's Science is extremely cool, Sophia. All on its own. It doesn't need a Bose-Einstein. Yes, Bose-Einstein. all science is uh, rad. <laughs> Bose-Einstein condensates are rad even in terms of science. <laughs> and are they also cool in terms of temperature, it sounds like? Exceptionally. We're talking like a, <laughs> of a, de- we're talking like a millionth of a degree Kelvin. Insanely cold. Oh, wow. Pretty close. But yeah, so it's unclear what all of the properties of these materials are. So it makes a good unobtainium, you know, for time travel. So there you go. There's a reason he got a bunch of lasers, I'm going to say. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Kyle, I believe you had some analysis for us. Yes. I was thinking about the title, Safety Not Guaranteed, and like why that was chosen to be the title. 
I guess in part because it's a nice hook into that ad that sets the whole thing in motion. But also, a lot of this movie is characters learning to become emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I think the title is a comment on mm. that process. Wow. Yeah. No, you're. I think you're absolutely right. That is very, very much to the point because your safety is not guaranteed in emotional vulnerability. Your feelings will get, just like Jeff, his feelings got hurt. Yeah. You know, and he didn't recover. And Kenneth at different points. Yeah, yeah, at different points. Kenneth through his life, Darius through her life. You know, Jeff doesn't get a redemption. He doesn't get a bounce. You know, that, that's something I made a note of where I was personally bummed for that. But I see in lieu of what Kyle just said that that totally makes sense with the title and with the theme of the movie. So maybe reliving the past is not at all what this film's going for. Maybe that's just a conduit for the storytelling, but it's about, you know, being emotionally vulnerable and making connections and and just like living your life. I mean, movies can be about multiple things. Oh, for sure. (laughs) No, for sure. But that's something that, you know, I I think that is more central to the film in, Mm -hmm. in what you're saying. I think it would have been more effective as a you know a cerebral kind of like less known artsy kind of film to have it end before the time machine accidentally actually works yeah like which one like does it work or not and then you know for the audience to think like in inception where the top spins and it's like does it matter or not but it doesn't matter like the point the, the overall point is it doesn't matter you know I think this would have been an excellent movie if it ended, you know, I don't think necessarily like during the chase, you know, to the launch site, but like just as everybody gets to the launch site, just roll credits there. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Ooh, they still have their like emotional moment on the boat. Light flashes, fills up the screen. We don't see anything from there. Yeah. Yeah. We just see them holding hands on the boat, kissing, whatever they're doing. And then it just cuts out. Exactly. We don't know if they, they get taken by those agents. We don't know if they escape, like using the actual wind boat. We don't know if it works as a time traveling device. Yeah. Frequently, titles are pulling double duty of being meaningful and important, but also a marketing tool. Do you know where the title actually came from? I looked it up. I believe I read that this was loosely based on a real ad that got yes. placed. So I'm assuming that. It was in the ad. It was an ad in a, it was the title of an ad in a magazine back in 1997. And it was the, I don't remember the title of the magazine, but it was like at home urban living or something like that, where it, the magazine was centered around like living like self-sufficiently, like off the land. You know, (laughs) like these, like, so these are people that are like true pioneer people. Like they, they make their own elect, like they make electricity or they harness it some way and do their daily living off the grid, essentially. So I thought that was pretty cool. But looking back, frequently we've covered movies that don't have meaningful titles. I'm thinking of like Operator and The Gate and Down in Derby. And it's like, those aren't meaningful exactly. So it was neat to be able to look at this one and be like, okay, I can pull something together here. No, yeah, yeah you definitely pulled it. <laughs> I think yeah, that's, that's, right. that's it. It's fucking it. Any final thoughts before we wrap up our episode? 
No, I, I, I just wanted to say that I actually really enjoy this movie. Yep, I do too. Glad. Well, now it's time for our ratings. So first we do our typical 1 to 10 of enjoyability. Calvin, what would you say? 1 to 10 enjoyability, I would say, I, I'd say it's an 8. Very much enjoyed. I fully good, agree with you. story, beginning to end. Sophia? Yeah, no, I give it an 8. Eight's all around. Eight's yeah. around. And then on the scale of obscurity, where one is a Best Picture nominee, 10 is a literal student film, where would we put this? You know, I think it would probably, I would say it, somewhere between six and seven, right? It wasn't a major release. It didn't garner awards or a lot of attention, but it was a major, it, well, I don't think it was a major studio, but it was a bigger studio. It had it had a pretty low budget, but big names, you know, big names, Aubrey Plaza, Kristen Bell, Mark Duplass, Jake Johnson. I mean, Colin Trevorrow directed <laughs> Yeah, Colin Trevorrow, who did Star Wars Episode Nine, and also, yep, he wrote Rise of Skywalker. He does all of Jurassic World. That's all Colin Trevorrow. So definitely someone who rose up after making this. So I, I think it, I think a six feels appropriate. I don't know. Uh, you guys know this better than I do. I, this is just if I'm if I'm picturing student student film student film to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I guess I guess I'm in the opposite direction, right? Cuz more obscure is 10. So I I'm going 4. I'm I'm going the opposite way, so 4. Cuz a 1 is the best picture now. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I I'm thinking backwards. So 4 4 to 4 to 5 I think is probably where I'd put it 4. Yeah, I was going to put it at 5, kind of right in the middle, big names and it's indie. So I think at the time of its release probably would have been like way more obscure, but I think it's garnered a good following in the years since its release. It's a mini cult movie. You know, I think I'm going to stick with uh, Calvin's original and say six, only because I feel like for its cast, it severely underperformed in terms of how widespread it is. Mm -hmm. And Grant, okay, so 2012 was a rough year for me. I was way up my own ass. (laughs) Weren't we all? We thought the world was going to end. I was just coming out of the closet. I was in high school. I was definitely up my own ass. I was a senior in high school, so. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just coming out of the closet. I was getting kicked out of the military. It was a rough time, and I was not paying attention to the movies that were out. But I had never heard of this, despite Aubrey Plaza being one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. And also adoring Kristen Bell, as I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I think this... This didn't really gain the popularity necessary for me to go above a uh, or below a, a six. It's fine. Yeah. I yeah. So four, five, six. Here we go. As we end our episode, we finish, of course, with our pop culture pop out, a piece of pop culture we have been interested in as of late and just want to talk about for a little bit. Calvin, do you have something for us today? Yeah, so I have been watching Love on the Spectrum, which is really a great show. It started in Britain. It's a Netflix series about people with autism on the autism spectrum who are either in relationships or looking to find a relationship. And it's just really cool to see how folks who see the world differently navigate relationships because there's a lot of things that 
for folks who aren't on the spectrum that it's, it, you don't think about it very much, or, you know, it's just something that you learn as you go and you, you pick it up. And for some of these folks, they just, they struggle with that inherently. So it's cool to see how they each go about finding it. And you see so many people on so many different ends of the spectrum where you see folks where, you know, they are on the spectrum, but they're dating people who aren't. And these people don't really know they are until they tell them. And then there's other folks where they need a lot of help just to go on a date and just to meet someone. So it's, it's really cool to see. And, and, and it's cool to see like which relationships work and which don't. And it just reminds you that we're all humans, you know, and we're all looking for the same thing. Nice. I like that. Sophia, would you like to share with the pod? Kyle, I thought you might go next. Okay. <laughs> there was a show I was going to talk about called Woke on Hulu, but that's <laughs> more heavy than I want to talk about for whatever reason. So I'm instead going to talk about a show called Close Enough. This is an adult animated cartoon from the person who made the children's cartoon regular show. Mm. That's on HBO. It's really nice. Like adult animation gets a lot of crap for being like not funny and just relying on crass humor and whatnot. And this is more like it's a cartoon. So they do a few things that are like you couldn't do in live action. But for the most part, it's very similar to regular show. But it involves adults who do adult things like drinking and having sex. Not on screen. Well, the sex isn't on screen, but they like allude to that. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is very neat. So it's a couple who have a kid living in Los Angeles with two divorced friends because rent is insane. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's a lot more grounded than say regular show, which was like animals. Awesome. Awesome. And I also have one. I was going to come on here and talk about Top Gun Maverick. But I decided instead I was going to write about it on Queering House. So what I'm going to talk about this week is, okay, I want to say that this is not something that I enjoy so much as (laughs) the situation surrounding it is fucking hilarious. I want to talk about Seth Green. Yes, yes, yes. I think Kyle knows where this is going. I very much don't, so I am very excited for it. Because I thought you were going to mention the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, and I'm like, well, oh, God, cool, no. but everyone's everyone's on that. But I, no, so no, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing about that. I oh, like, I, I respect, I respect my, you know, my survivor friends, but like they've made a cruel, crass, fucking display of it, and I'm just not, I can't stand seeing any more of it. That said, no, what I want to talk about is what's going on with Seth Green lately. Because oh. turns out he's an NFT guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, a board eight. So he's got a bake in his wallet. Or rather, he did. So he was going to put together a TV show that was going to be kind of like, you know, what if Who Framed Roger Rabbit was How I Met Your Mother. Oh, really? <laughs> it was going to be so bad. And it was going wow. to star his board eight. And then it got stolen. <laughs> no, his NFT got stolen? His, his NFT, NFT got, got stolen. stolen. Holy shit. How does that even happen? I, I'm not as versed in this stuff, so okay. I, I don't. So you can steal but, the token. Yeah. It, 
it's very it's very easy. So the way this works is a digital art NFT is really just a micro program called a smart contract that links to a picture of that particular piece of art. Yeah. So you can change, like you can add stuff into that, you know, micro program, that applet. Mm -hmm. For example, one that's currently popular is it's a smart contract that if you interact with it at all, like to move it, burn it, stake it, doesn't matter. If you touch it, it will steal everything in your wallet. Oh, and transfer geez. it to a holding wallet and then through money laundering to, you know, whoever's wallet. Uh-huh. So I'm guessing, I don't know this, but I'm guessing he, you know, and there's no confirmation step. So people can just drop these into your wallet. Yeah. And it's just a landmine that sits there forever. Holy shit. Yeah. So insane. Like, this is why I don't fuck with cryptocurrency because it is a giant carnival of scams. Yeah. But yeah, so Seth Green's Seth Green's stupid NF TV show is on hold, probably permanently because it's a stupid idea, but also <laughs> because his NFT got fucking stolen because that's what happens to NFTs. Cybercrime is just really influ- I mean, it's it's influencing everything now. I didn't read so too much into this story, so I'm guessing it's not the classic right-click stole NFT, it sounds like the actual token got stolen. The actual token got stolen, yeah. No, you can write, oh, because, like, copy it. You just copy it. If- yeah, it's, it's not like copy-paste. Fucking- oh, it, it's so funny. Calvin, do you not know about right-clicking NFTs? No, dude. I All I know about NFTs is they're fucking stupid. Like, yes, <laughs> yes. Here's oh, the thing, no. though. People would say, like... Right click, save as, save the file, and they're like, haha, I stole it, which no, you didn't steal the token. Because it's encrypted, right. Right. But crypto bros are stupid and they're like, no, you can't, that's mine. You can't take the picture. It's like, you still have the token, dude, but they're so dumb that they think right clicking <laughs> is like actually stealing. It's oh, <laughs> see, gotcha. that's the thing. So you like, can get someone like me with it. <laughs> technically, you're not actually stealing it because what these idiots bought was the receipt for the picture. And if that sounds completely worthless and stupid, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Digital art can just be copy pasted and posted everywhere. Stealing digital art, you know, predates NFTs, but it's gotten much easier and much dumber because of NFTs. And crypto, right? Crypto generally. Yeah. Crypto. So crypto is on the way out. Are NFTs, do they use blockchain as well? Technology? Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I, I I think I knew they were related with crypto in that sense, that they share the underlying technology, but Yeah, so I, I there's a very there's a very in-depth video that Dan Olson at Folding Ideas did about it's like two hours long, so you can watch it in like segments, but mm. is it called Line Goes Up or Line Goes Down? Yeah, Line Goes Up. Thank you. And it is fantastically instructive on exactly why crypto and NFTs specifically are fucking terrible. We'll link yeah. that in the show notes. That'd be yeah. great. Cause I would, I would definitely want to check it out. I, I, cause when it was becoming a big, like when crypto was starting to become like part of the zeitgeist, I looked into investing because my buddy had bought like $500 worth and he actually made, I think two grand off of it. And it helped him start, part of his solar business so he actually got in early but when i was looking to get in it was i think it was too late like it was starting to go down 
But then it went yeah. back up for a while and, you know, just like all markets, it ebbs and flows. But I never got into it because I wasn't comfortable enough with it. This one's in the process of absolutely shitting itself to death and not before time. All right. I think we can wrap this up. Calvin, yes. do you have anything you'd like to plug? It's fine if you do. Get your fucking eyes examined. <laughs> Go see an eye doctor because there's a lot of vision problems that are asymptomatic. Glaucoma's in most cases totally asymptomatic. Diabetic retinopathy is asymptomatic until it's too late. There's a lot of problems you can have that you won't catch just from your your eyes changing. So come in and see your optometrist every year. That's what you should be should be doing. Excellent. That's it. Eye health. That's what I'm plugging. <laughs> Amazing. Sophia, where can people find you online? Well, I got the link tree. Big notes, uh, I'm terminally online, Twitter, at Hamil Karenina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I am on Medium at Sophia Elena Mestatrit, where I have projects, Queering House, I have The Fifth Columnist, I have my own personal blogs, and I swear to God, I'm still working on, on my little, you know, Jewish thought of the day thing. I'm also, for some fucking reason, on Quora, also Sophia Mestatrit. Don't find me on Facebook. And that's me. Kyle, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at Kyle of the Giggles. I am on Tumblr, Letterboxd, and Twitch under Hebrew Hammer. Collectively, Sophie and I also have a Twitter account that is at Off the Film Path, where we do our real-time reactions to the movies we watch. And that is every other Friday. Yes. If you would like, you can leave a voice message by following the link at the bottom of the show notes so that you can appear in an upcoming episode, whether to contribute to the discussion of the movies we've watched or to leave a pop culture pop-out. But if you want to talk about the movie we're watching next time, Sophia, what are we watching? We're watching Lost for Words. So this is one I put on there because this is the reason that 10 on the obscurity scale is a literal student film. A friend of mine's cousin wrote and directed this and my friend was in the movie so i think the movie's not too bad if you're willing to forgive a lot of like location and lighting stuff i'm curious to see what someone more objective thinks of lost for words i'm excited if you like the show please remember to subscribe tell your friends rate and review us on itunes and spotify What's another good way? Create bootleg merchandise. Actually, that'd be really awesome. <laughs> yeah. You could also get it tattooed on your forehead. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Please don't. But yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. Calvin, thank you very much for coming oh, on. Thank you for having me. It was it was an awesome time. Love talking movies. Love talking obscurity. Love talking about Mayan predictions that didn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Hasta luego.